Here we go. Hey, so today I'm sharing my top five budgeting areas that you should focus on if you want to have long-term success with your budget. This will include items that I wish that someone had told me sooner and may give you perspectives to shift how you view your spending today. It'll be quick, but effective. And hopefully it'll give you areas to immediately take action on today. So stay tuned to find out what these top five budgeting areas are so that you can stay focused and be successful in the long run. So everyone dreams of living a life of abundance, but here's the harsh truth. Having a higher income doesn't guarantee spending wisdom and your toys may eventually suffocate you financially. Are you there yet? In fact, 8 million people earning over six figures are actually living paycheck to paycheck. But it's time we change that for you. Welcome to Budgeting Brilliance, a podcast for busy career-focused moms feeling stuck between mounting credit cards and cars. I'm Shauna Lay, a family budgeting expert specializing in tools that corporate moms can use to change their perspective of budgeting as a necessary evil to being an empowering tool to make smarter decisions. If you've been looking for a budgeting network focused on more than just frugal living, you're in the right place. Stop letting your finances dictate your life. So number one, of course, this wouldn't be a budgeting podcast if I didn't talk about budgeting first. So number one tip, create a budget. Now, there are aspects of how you should do that. So if you need to start on creating your budget once and for all, or really if you want to do it right, check out episode four on the only way that I think that people should be budgeting. Then after that, flip over to episode seven, where I talk about the four essential parts that every budget should contain, because it's not just about the act of budgeting and just having something on paper that says income minus your expenses and you're good. No, sorry. Budgeting goes just a little bit beyond that and should have four key parts. So check out both episode four, the method of budgeting that I suggest, and episode seven, the four essential key parts of every budget. Now that you have your budget in place, you actually need to use it. You need to follow the plan. And then once you do that, you can monitor, check it every month until you get a system in place. Then after that, every three to four months, just to do check-ins. Are your categories accurate? Evaluate your spending and track it to make sure that you're not overspending in some categories than you should be. Or really, if you have debt, focus on how to cut areas in your budget so that you can really focus on reducing that debt. Because in the end, getting rid of the debt is going to make you the most successful person that you can be as far as budgeting goes. So budget, that's tip number one. Hey friends, I'm pausing real quick just to let you know that if you need help 
on budgeting, savings, or getting out of debt, check out the free resources on my website, sanlicense.com. Back to the show. Number two. Oh, and by the way, these are not in any particular order. Number two, savings. Now, savings is kind of this elusive thing that people are like, no, this is savings or this is not part of savings, but savings is nothing more than just setting money aside for future use. So whether that savings, you call it quote unquote savings, is in the terms of a sinking fund or an emergency fund or future goals, to me, it's all savings, right? Um, so I don't necessarily think you need to have a separate category for savings if you have sinking funds, emergency funds, and goals. And sometimes goals and sinking funds kind of go hand in hand. But I'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about sinking funds. One of the first things when I was really starting to focus on budgeting, I always struggled with having enough money to comfortably spend on Christmas. I say that because I I got to a point where I no longer wanted to use credit cards and because to me that's not being able to afford Christmas if you're having to rely on everything going on a credit card and then having to pay for it throughout the rest of the year or even beyond. I started to focus on what are the things that are really causing me to have to shift to putting things on credit cards. Another sinking fund that I started to implement were back to school. So it seemed that every year uniforms, school supplies, backpacks, tennis shoes, all at the same time, seemed to hog up a lot of money in the budget all at once. And at the time in my life when our children were younger and we didn't have as much disposable income at that point, it became difficult to be able to afford all of that at once. I decided, you know, maybe I take this $500 that was going to hit every July to August and just split that up over 12 months and be able to afford it. So a sinking fund there really helped us out. Another area can be automobile expenses. So you know you're going to have your oil changes, tire rotations, but you also have to factor in the age of your car or the tires needing to be replaced, the maintenance schedules of those vehicles, spark plugs, things like that. They all really start to factor in. So if you haven't evaluated what the cost is of your next maintenance for your automobile is, you might want to pull out the book and take a look and then call the dealership and find out, hey, how much is this checkup for my car going to be? And I would suggest doing that for the six month and the one year time frame out in the future so that you could effectively set up a sinking fund for your automobile expenses, for your home expenses, whatever, just so that you have enough time. So if I have to pay out $1,000 in the next six months, well, that's going to cost, let's see, $1,000 divided by six. That is $166, but $1,000 divided by 12, that is only $83 a month. That's a lot more palatable, especially if your budget is constrained. 
being proactive and really think about what your expenses are to sync up to set up those sinking funds, I would highly recommend it. So that's one area that I consider to be savings, right? We are going to identify the expense, break it up into um, easy to bite chunks, and then set that money aside until we need it. Now, along those lines are emergency funds. You want to at least start with that elusive $1,000 that people always say for emergency funds. But where I live, $1,000 won't cover the deductibles on my house in case, let's say, we have a hurricane. The 1% or 2% deductible on the cost of your house, if something like that were to occur... And I would say I've been impacted by two hurricanes in my lifetime as an adult with a house. $1,000 just isn't going to cut it. Hey, I want to pause real quick just to give you a quick message. Friends, if you are ready to take that all important next step in transforming not only your budget, but your family's future as well, I have a limited time offer to help you do just that. You see, it's my mission here to help set you up so that you're not living under overwhelming debt that is stifling your spirit. I want to help you reconnect with your kids and rediscover your own purpose. For a limited time, I'm offering a highly discounted rate on my one-on-one coaching along with my new program, Budget Mastery. Over the next several weeks, we'll have a chance to help one another. I will help you get on the path to an improved financial outlook, and during our time together, you'll help me dial in my program to ensure that it's serving you in the best way possible. So if you're finally ready to listen to that tug on your heart and get started, please drop me an email. The information is in the show notes. So you might want to be a little bit more prescriptive on what that emergency fund is for your family and use something like your deductibles What is your largest deductible that could occur? That may be where you need to start. The next target for an emergency fund, people like to say, is what are three months of your expenses? Because the economy's kind of at that situation right now where you just never know if budget cut, things are becoming more constrained on businesses, whether or not you're going to be let go. So what is three months cost of just basic household expenses? and bills for your family. And then look at maybe the three-month mark, the six-month mark, and up to the 12. So emergency funds are another form of savings. And then next, I think of the future goals. Now, future goals, as I mentioned before, can also be like a sinking fund, but sinking funds to me are something a little bit more, I'm going to use it more quickly. Whereas goals are, The kids are going to go in college in the next five years, 10 years. We want to get a house in the next 10 years. You know, we want to upgrade. Um, We're going to plan for a baby in the next four years. A new car, a really big vacation. Beyond the yearly vacation, we're going to do vacation right. So do kind of include expenses over $2,000, like something that's going to be a little bit longer because 
let's see here, $2,000 divided by 12 is 166, but those $2,000, if I gave myself three years to pay for it, only $55 a month. It's a lot easier to cover a 2000 plus expense, you know, 2000, 5000, something like that as a goal to be able to set money aside for than it would be that if I just didn't plan ahead and had that $2000 all at once and had to pay for it in the next 6 to 12 months. So that's why I look at something over $2000 to be more of a a look ahead goal. But you'll still set money aside for it like you would a sinking fund, which is why I say goals are somewhat like a sinking fund, but with a longer term. And then also, of course, retirement. So retirement, you know, that may be 10, 20, 30 years down the road for you. But as with all things, you really want to take a look at how much will you need? What age will you be? So how much time do you have? Where will you live? All of those pieces go into goal planning that most people are not really evaluating today. I know from experience that when we decided to have baby number two, we were able to afford child number one in daycare. We weren't constrained. But when baby number two came around, probably didn't do, well, I know we didn't do the planning that we should have done. I should have called around and said, hey, how much is it to have two children in daycare? What are the costs of newborns versus uh, children that are older? Those expenses really caught me off guard. Now, having child number one's daycare plus formula, diapers, and then food later, no one told me to really evaluate. Now, it's not to discourage you from having the children, (laughs) it's really about you need to set us like have your household budget ready be able to afford it comfortably all right goals goals are another section of savings all right so we'll move into number three area number three of good budgeting future success Please, by all means, have fun money built into your budget. Hey, friends, I wanted to pause real quick to let you know about a special Facebook group that I have specifically for you, Career Moms Focused on Budgeting and Financial Success. So in this group, you can feel safe to ask your most pressing budgeting questions without fear or rejection. So head on over to my website, sanitysense.com, to get your link to our private group today. Now, when I first created my budget as an adult, I don't believe fun money was part of that equation. No one ever said, have money set aside just for you to have fun. It was more of like, you get this much money for like household expenses and you need to save. And then if you have stuff left over, You know, you can do whatever you want with it, but no one ever said to make sure you had that money left over. So instead, as we started to obtain more possessions, I would say that the fun money started to get squeezed out and the debt started to grow. Don't do that. 
And also buffer in more money for groceries so that you don't constrain yourself, right? Because you never know from month to uh, from week to week, your grocery budget alters. And some weeks you're going to spend more than other weeks. So always have that little bit extra than you normally spend. And then if you don't actually use it that week, then just move it to the next week or move it to fun money. (laughs) That's one way to handle it. Okay. So moving right along to area number four of a successful budget. Now, this one really is long-term focused. It's insurance. Having quality term life insurance and long-term care insurance. And notice I said term life insurance and not whole life insurance. Term life insurance has terms like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. It'll end. And then you'll want to set the amount. They say that a really good ballpark is about Eight to 10 times your annual salary. Now for the long-term care insurance, really this starts to factor in if you're 60 or older. This insurance is recommended primarily so you can try to avoid rehab centers if you were to have to recover from an incident, which is, well, around where I live, those rehab centers are nothing more than just a section of the nursing home. And my father spent the, his last few years in a nursing home, which it started off in the rehab section. And then it became to the point where he had to transition over into the actual facility. So it would prob- it would have been a blessing to our family had he had long-term care insurance at that time. I would say he was probably about 69 years old when... That ended up happening to him. So really, this is just something to think about when when you get to that phase of your life. So around that 60-year mark, considered long-term care insurance. Now, last but not least, we are going to move to debt. Now, remember I said in the beginning that these five key areas are not in any particular order. And I would say probably after budget, focusing on your debt is the next one of most importance because truth being is hard or basically nearly impossible to have money to set aside for savings, setting goals, sufficient emergency fund building, and fund money if you have too much debt or debt at all. I wish that the message on the impact, like the real true impact of debt to people's household well-being was more prominent, that debt can really hold you back. Now, although the targets that people say that you should have a debt to income or DTI ratio of 30 to 36 percent if you want to be approved for more loans and not feel suffocated by your debt, but really Debt, the end goal of where you want debt to be is zero. You want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. So if you get a bonus, put it on your debt. If you get a raise, put it on your debt. Stop trying to live up to other people's expectations and stop trying to self-soothe by buying new gadgets 
automobiles, flashy things, like just try to be content for a little while. For us, debt actually, debt really hampered our family's lives from being as fulfilling that it could have been. We could have blessed more and done more with other people had we not been so constrained. I would say at one time we had over $2,000 a month in debt. And that's not including our house. So house plus $2,000 a month in debt. It was a chokehold, really. Cars. Okay, so looking back, the cars that we had repeatedly purchased could have been turned into an investment home. So instead of a car payment, we could have had a house payment. But that house payment could have been paid by our tenant. And we could have gotten income from that. That is one thing to think about. If you don't have debt, what else could you do? You could put it in stocks and bonds. Think you know, like, let's say your two to $300 a month credit card. Well, that could have funded your child's education. So take some time to explore what debt is costing you today. And it really involve your spouse in this daydream together. Add up your debt. What else could you do with that amount of the money you're spending on debt? Would you invest it or fund other dreams? Could you fully fund an emergency fund for three months, six months? It's emotionally important also to make sure that you have enough guilt-free spending set aside. So getting rid of that debt is psychologically important as well. Recap, have a budget, the different categories of savings, which are sinking funds, emergency funds, and goal planning, having sufficient fund money, insurance for the long-term, that's life insurance and long-term care insurance, and getting rid of debt. And those are my top five key budgeting areas that I think that everyone should focus on if you want to have a healthy, long-term, successful household budget. So I hope today was helpful in giving you insights into what you and your family should start thinking about doing to set you up for future success. I would like to hear from you. How are things going with the show? Are you liking the topics that I'm sharing? Is it beneficial to you? It truly helps me as a new up and coming podcast to share this word with more people. If you were to leave a quick five star review to let me know how things have benefited you and please keep in touch. Stop by Sanity Sense to sign up for budget mastery and snag resources to help you on your debt free journey and drop me a note and let me know what other topics are of interest to you. So please be intentional. It's the only way your budget is going to fund your family's future success. Take budgeting to the next level by continuing to budget brilliantly. Until next time. Bye-bye. So friends, I hope you found value in today's episode and that it encouraged you in some way to take an action towards focusing on your budget. If you would like to snag some free budgeting resources like a quick starter kit, debt elimination workbook, just head on over to my website, sanitysense.com. That's sanitysense, C-E-N-T-S.com. And if you like today's episode, 
please consider leaving a five-star review so you can help others find this message and get the budgeting help that they've been longing for too. So here's to budgeting your best life. So I, if, so if you, this is, uh, <laughs>